So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, a few verses here that the Lord put on my heart. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 18 and we'll skip down to verse 23. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. While he spake these things unto them, this is Jesus was speaking, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And we'll skip down to verse 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels, this would have been the mourners and the people that were mourning over the dead and, and making a great wailing over this young girl that had died. When, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. It's an exciting miracle that the Lord did here. I'll tell you what, what, what I believe God's put on my heart to share with you this morning. This, this lady, this young girl, uh, this young child of the ruler, this ruler's daughter, we learn more about it in the other gospel accounts. This was Jairus' daughter, and she was home very sick and even died, had died at the time. We, we understand it from this gospel, verse 18, that she was dead. When, uh, when the ruler came to get Jesus. He had the faith to believe that the Lord could heal her. And so Jesus always responds to faith. He will always respond to faith. We might have faith only the grain, as a grain of mustard seed, which is the least of all seeds. But the Bible says if we even have faith as a grain of mustard seed, if it's genuine faith, God will move. That faith will lay hold on the, on the Creator on the Savior, on the Healer, on the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And the Lord will always respond to that faith in man. She was dead, but Jesus knew what He was going to do. He knew the whole time when He was making His way to the house and making His way through the crowd of people, He knew what He was going to do. This God that we serve, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, this says in Romans, you don't need to turn there, but in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it speaks of Abraham was made the father of many nations according to God who quickeneth the dead. Quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. What he speaks, he speaks light into darkness. He speaks life into death. He speaks healing into sickness. He speaks salvation into to lost, sinful men's lives every day. And He did it in my life. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. Here's what I believe God would have me to speak about today. Jesus went in and the Bible says, look back at verse 24. When He, when he went in and said in verse 24, went to the ruler's house, the dead girl's lying there. He knows what He's going to do. He says, he says give place. In other words, uh, for the maid is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. This is our Savior and Lord, and mere men are laughing him to scorn. And I want to tell you this, that this will be the same for the follower of Christ. We need to expect it. Don't be depressed about it. Don't be discouraged about it. The Lord told us and tells us all through His Word, Old Testament and very poignant 
um, clear scriptures in the New Testament as well. And I'll say this this morning, that following Christ fully, and I believe that's a key word in what we're talking about, following Christ fully means having to make some unpopular choices. Following Christ fully means having to do some unpopular things. Following Christ fully means having to say some things that are unpopular. It means going against the grain. Following Christ fully means that, that we are going to find ourselves at odds with our fellow man, oftentimes. And we're going to find ourselves at odds uh, with the lost world that doesn't know Jesus. We're going to find ourselves at odds oftentimes with people who name the name of Christ. Now I'm talking about we really determined to follow the Lord all the way. In every situation, all the days of our life, through mountains and valleys and peaks and good times and bad times, in every situation, when we determine to follow the Lord, and that is how we're called to follow the Lord, and He enables us to, amen, when we live that way, we're going to find ourselves at odds with men around us, oftentimes, okay? It doesn't mean that we set out to be rebels. It doesn't mean that we set out as a believer and I'm going to be against everybody and not get along with people. <clears throat> it does mean when we follow the Lord fully, we are going to follow, find ourselves at odds with man. Oftentimes, probably most times. I will say this, a man or woman follows Christ the Lord as Lord, or he doesn't, right? We follow Christ as Lord, the Lord as Lord of our lives, or we don't. But if a man or woman does follow Christ that way, we're gonna find ourselves coming against people in this world and people in the world coming against us. We don't choose for it to be that way. That is the nature of a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus in the midst of a world that doesn't know Him. And many in the church world that profess to know Him and may not actually know Him or they may not be fully walking out their faith. The one who chooses, and that is a choice that we make, to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ and then actually undertakes to do so. Not only is it okay sitting on our bed one night or in church one night and say, you know what? God has called me. He saved me. I am going to be a follower of Christ. But then when we, that's one thing. We have to do that. But then actually to undertake to, to do it. Tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to hear what my shepherd would say to me. And I live, I'm going to live by His grace and by His Spirit accordingly. When we actually undertake to do so, we'll be in blessed, wonderful harmony with our Savior, but we will find ourselves coming against the opposition of men. Amen? We'll find, our, we'll find that with our fellow man. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we come to know the Lord, and He is our Savior and Lord, we have a peace with God. We are reconciled through the blood of His cross. So the estrangement is over. Sin is what separates us from God. And we come by faith in Jesus and in Him alone and His finished work on the cross. And we mean it and we give sincere, sincerely by faith, give our life to Christ. We turn from our sin. We turn to the Lord. That is repentance and a change of heart, a change of mind. He saves us. But even after that, there is a whole life from the day you got saved to the day we die on this earth, from the day we got saved to the day that the Lord raptures us, calls us home to be with Him in heaven. Whatever amount of time that is, we are to be disciples of Christ. 
He call, he's called men to be disciples. And He's called men to make disciples. Those that are Christians to make disciples. And praise God, He has empowered us to do so. Amen? So when I'm talking about fully following the Lord, that is something that God has empowered us to do. He has instructed us by His Word. He has empowered us by His Spirit that lives inside of us. He has uh, uh, enabled us by His grace. And we follow on after the Lord. And we follow hard after the Lord. Amen. We follow hard after the Lord and we stay in a right relationship with God. He is able to keep us from falling and we keep ourselves in the love of God. So the Lord's keeping us and we're keeping ourselves by faith in the Lord. In a very practical sense, we we're devoted to the Lord. We're devoted to his lordship and to his will. And we obey him. Obedience is not a curse word. Obedience is not a curse to the Christian life. Obedience is a joy that we can know God and serve God and follow hard after the Lord. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. This is what the Bible says. If we sin after we're saved, which we do at times, we don't have to, but we find ourselves still sinning uh, not as a pattern, not as a lifestyle. He has delivered us from sin, but we still take our eyes off the Lord and we do commit sin at times. If we sin, we can quickly come to the Lord and be forgiven. The same blood that cleansed us originally when we got born again, cleanses us again. The same confession, the same turning, the same Christ who's merciful. If we confess our sins, He cleanses us. Amen? And it sounds so simple to be saved and in a right relationship with God and then walk this, this thing out in, in full commitment or devotion to the Lord from day to day. And really, it is very simple. But in doing so, we're going to find that that life of following Christ and being a disciple of Jesus is completely different. Completely different than the life we had before we knew Jesus. It is a new life in Christ Jesus. We're going to find that that life is the new life in Jesus in the Spirit is at odds with that old man and that old way we used to think and live and practice and talk and relationships and everything else. And we're going to find that that is that new man, that new life and calling upon our lives when we live it out is going to be in conflict with the lost world around us that doesn't even know the Lord. So unredeemed men, we'll get back to this. When Jesus went in the room, he knew what he was going to do. They laughed him to scorn. He faced an opposition. He faced opposition from uh, faithlessness, from unbelief, from people that didn't know him as Christ and Savior. We're going to find the same thing in our lives. Unredeemed men, listen, will not understand the believers. That's my life if you, if you're born again. Unredeemed men will not understand the believer's life. They won't understand the believer's speech. They won't understand the believer's motives or actions. They're not going to understand your new doctrine, what you're teaching and what you follow. They're not going to understand your new values and what you esteem. They're not going to understand your devotion to Christ. They won't understand it. They won't understand it. It's impossible for them to understand. It says in 1 Corinthians, for the, for the natural man to understand spiritual things. They're spiritually discerned. So it's not only difficult, it's impossible. So understand that the unredeemed world around you, people in your family, in your life, in the workplace, 
Friends you had before you got saved and you're saved and they're not, they're not going to understand your unwavering commitment to Christ. They're not going to understand your unwavering commitment to this invisible God that you can't even see and they can't see. We do see Him by faith, amen. But He is called the invisible God. And there are many in the church world, and I said that before, many in the church world who would, if you ask them, are you saved? They would say, I'm a Christian too. Many in the church world would not understand your, your life that's fully devoted to Christ because they have not made possibly that full commitment to Christ to, to live for Him at all costs in every situation. But that's what He's called us to, amen? That type of devotion and commitment and so many, even that would name the name of Christ, are not going to understand your new life in Jesus or my new life. Jesus said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. He was speaking of the, those that their hearts were hard, their ears were stopped, their hearts were hard and callous, and they didn't know the Lord. So they didn't understand the spiritual things that He spoke of. But let me say this. This is what I want to say to us this morning. This is what God's speaking to my heart. And I believe He's speaking to our church. Is don't let that opposition. Jesus had opposition when He went into Jairus' home. Into the bedroom where the girl was dead and the mourners were mourning. Don't let that opposition or men's misunderstanding of your commitment to Christ. They don't understand your life now. Don't let their ridicule... Uh, on, don't let it on their part keep you from com complete devotion to Christ. I know that sounds like a very simple truth, but don't let the opposition or misunderstanding of people around you that don't know the Lord or don't know Him well or not committed to Him fully, don't let that opposition keep you from 100% complete devotion to the Lordship of Christ. You know what the temptation is? The temptation is on our part we're following Christ, we're wanting to follow the Lord, and we get some backlash from family members or friends or co-workers, and, and they want us to just lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? We're okay with our walk with God up to a point. And the temptation is, maybe I'll just back off a little bit. And we can't fall into that temptation. We're a servant of the Most High God. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him only do we serve and worship. And so we're going to serve Him or not serve Him. But it can't be based upon opposition more or less that comes at different seasons in our life or from different areas of our life. And I begin to think about this as I was praying. I don't believe it's necessarily the idea. And understand what I mean by this. I don't believe it's the idea of following Jesus Christ fully that that is unpopular it is among some people or that's misunderstood i believe it's the practice of doing so I, if you can talk about jesus and people might like to talk about new ideas like those on mars hill right in athens when paul preached it's there may not be offended some will be about our talk of the lord saying i've decided to follow jesus they might think that's wonderful what is offensive to men and what men come against and we start to see their nature of not knowing Christ and the God of this world at work in their lives, what we begin to see what's unpopular, what's misunderstood, what's opposed is when we actually undertake to do so. In other words, I'm, 
I'm not just saying I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for Him today. I'm going to live for Him all day. I'm going to live for Him all week, all year, the rest of my life. In every situation, in private and in public, in leisure time, in work, in school, around people that I know well, around people I don't, around other believers and around lost people. I'm going to live for God. And when we actually begin to walk this thing out, men are going to come against us. Amen? I'll tell you, I'm just thinking of examples. Like if we're, we're saying, oh, I maybe you just got saved and you tell a friend or a family member, I've given my life to the Lord. And they might think, oh, that's great. I'm so glad you found something that makes you happy. Uh, they don't understand, right? I'm so glad you found religion possibly. Or they might see that you're a harder worker now in the workplace. And they say, I admire your, your Christian work ethic and so forth. And, and I think it's great for you that, that you found this change. But, but what they're offended is when we actually begin to live for God, to live out our faith, and there's actually a difference in our life. There's a difference in our conversation. There's a difference in what we watch on TV and the music we listen to. There's a difference in our love for our enemies. There's a difference in we give giving money to missionaries and churches and they don't think it, they think it's foolish or they're offended or they they feel guilty being around you because of their own sin and your the Christ in you, the light in you. And it's when we actually begin to live by faith in the risen Savior and there's actually a difference in our life and we're saying, you know what, I'm living it all the way. I'm not living it part way. I'm not living it to where to where you're okay and lost people around me are okay with with my Christianity and I find some kind of happy medium. I'm living it all the way. And honestly, they might say something like, you know, I was okay with your Christianity until blank. You know what I mean? Till you broke up with your 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 lost boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that. I was okay with your Christianity, but this is just taking it too far. But you know what? We're not taking it too far. We're we're doing just exactly what we've been called to do. This this is how far he's called me. It's all the way to die to myself and live unto God. This is what he's this is what my Savior requires of me. When we begin to live our life based on thus saith the Lord, and we really live that way, as opposed to thus saith what's popular in the world, or thus saith what's popular even in the church world. But no, I'm governed by the Holy Ghost. I'm governed by the Word of Christ, the Word of God. And we really begin to live that way. We're going to find ourselves with all hell coming against our lives. It's just a fact. We shouldn't be surprised of it. Surprised when it, when it happens. We're going to find ourselves at odds with our fellow man. And many that even are within the church world. When Jesus was healing blind men, for example. Just read through the Gospels. It's very exciting. He's still doing that today, by the way. When Jesus was healing blind men. When He was casting demons out of people. And demons out of uh, parents' Uh, children casting demons out of their children when he was cleansing lepers of their leprosy and they were whole when he was multiplying fish and bread to feed multitudes of people he was very popular i know that you know this he was very well liked you could say he was in demand he was sought after the bible tells us that the, the crowds were pressing around him where he couldn't find any time alone hardly but when our Savior began to spoke, speak of the cost 
to follow him. What it costs. Salvation is a free gift, but following Jesus Christ and being a disciple of Christ costs everything. Now he gives us the strength to do it. But salvation is a free gift of God. There's no cost other than the cost that Jesus paid on the cross. But to follow the Lord Jesus Christ cost everything. And when Jesus began to speak of the cost to follow him, many people, just listen to this from John chapter 6, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. There was something in his doctrine. There was something about following him that they didn't understand. They were offended. They literally were offended by the same Jesus that 30 seconds before they believed in. They were committed to. But it's some, their commitment reached an end. It wasn't a commitment to the Lord all the way through. When Jesus spoke of the cost of following him, many went back and followed him no more. Not all, but many stopped following him. When he himself actually lived solely and completely, 100% in obedience to his father. He only did the things he saw his father doing. He only said the words he heard his father saying. When he refused to be turned, when he refused uh, to, to bend or bow to the opinions of men or the suggestions of even well-meaning men, but instead, instead he set his face to do the will of his father. He set his face as though he would go to Jerusalem. When he went in and cleansed the temple, and cast the, the tables over and cast out the money changers and them that bought and sold within the temple. And he refused to bend to the will of men. He was scorned. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was cursed by men and he was crucified by men. And we know it's all in the Father's plan. We know that Jesus laid down his life. No man took his life, he gave it. But it's still on the part of sinful men. Men rejected him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. When he began to fully live out the will of his father, and he was, he was rejected and crucified, and we are told to expect the same treatment, the same reception as followers of Christ in this world. I just want to read this. If you have your Bibles at home, you can, uh, you can turn to this in John 15. We'll read 18 through 20. There are, many, there are other similar scriptures in John 16 and 17. This is John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. The world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, if they have persecuted me, and they did, they will also persecute you, and they will. They will if we fully follow the Lord. If we try to compromise and we find ourselves compromising every time something comes against us, we'll find ourselves maybe uh, getting along fine with the world, but being separated uh, from the intimate fellowship with our Lord and Savior and from His favor. If, you, if they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. And so... I believe we should be most concerned, and honestly, it sounds crazy, when we're, we're spoken well of by this lost world. In every circumstance and situation, we can do no wrong. 
because Jesus was not spoken well of in every circumstance and situation. As I said, when he's healing people and casting demons out, he's very popular. When he says, take up your cross and follow me, and so forth, he's not popular. We, we would be more, uh, I think it would be more concerning if we find ourselves not being facing any type of persecution, not any kind of rejection. Uh, we may need to examine our hearts and see what our commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want, I want to say this. The Bible says, but, ye, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And so you got the two things. Am I going to try to be a Christian and somehow live to please men? Or am I going to be a Christian and live fully to please God? That's the only way. That's the only thing He's called us to. He has empowered us to it. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. But that is what He's called us to do. Now I'm going to talk about this just in this one chapter of Matthew chapter 9. Okay, just in this one chapter. Of course, we didn't read the whole chapter. But I just want to summarize what's taking place. In this chapter, the Lord healed a lame man. We know the story where four, four men carried Him in on a bed or a pallet. And Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. And then he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And, and he takes up, he was carried in on a bed and he left carrying his bed because he could walk. In this chapter, he called Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his disciples and had a, a, a celebration at his home and ate with publicans and sinners. And in this chapter, when, when questioned about that, he says that you, you need to know that the, the Son of Man has come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. In this chapter, on his way to Jairus' house, uh, he passed through a crowd of people and there's a woman with the issue of blood that had been sick for, for 12 years and got no better. She spent all her money on doctors, got no better, but rather got worse. But by faith, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She did, did touch the hem of his garment and she was healed. And Jesus knew that this power had gone out from her and said, don't be afraid. Your faith has made you whole. In this chapter, two blind men came up to him and Jesus said, you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And he said, be it according to your faith and they received their sight in this chapter he cast the demons out of someone that was deaf and dumb insomuch that the deaf heard and the dumb spoke and no people were amazed he in this chapter he spoke about uh, you don't put new wine into old bottles he's given a doctrinal teaching about this new covenant and the new life in Christ which is to put new wine in new bottles all this was positive, I guess you would say, among people. People were excited about this. The people that were healed, the people that had demons cast out, the people that were watching this as eyewitnesses, all this was great. But now he comes in what we read into Jairus' house. His daughter is dead and he's coming to raise her from the dead. And I want to read it again. Verse 23, and when Jesus came in, Matthew 9, 23, into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, give place. In other words, step out. For the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. What was the difference? In this, in this situation, it wasn't popular what he said. At least with the little, the few people that were there. They didn't like what he said. They liked him multiplying fish and loaves. 
They like him, like him open in the eyes of a blind man. But in this situation, he's saying she's not dead. She's only sleeping. He knew, because he knows everything, what he was about to do, that he's going to raise her from the dead. They didn't like what he said. They didn't agree with what he said. They were contrary to what he said. They didn't believe what he said. And the man who determines to follow the Lord Jesus Christ fully, we're going to find ourselves sometimes in the same circumstances. God would have it to be this way. He wants to show Himself mighty in and through our weakness. But when you determine to follow the Lord and actually set out to do it, in all that He requires, wherever He leads, we're going to soon find that we're misunderstood, we're opposed, and we're laughed to scorn. Not every day, not in every situation, but you will find as you follow the Lord fully, without compromise, that He's going to put us in certain circumstances and situations where, where it's not popular what we say and think or we preach the Gospel or step aside, I'm going to lay hands on this person, I'm going to pray that they recover, and people are going to laugh us to scorn. We're going to find ourselves misunderstood and ridiculed and rejected at times, not just in some kind of way, but in the exact same way that our Lord was. The exact same way. And I will say this, it's wonderful to know Christ, isn't it? It's wonderful to be forgiven and born of His Spirit. But even more than that, it's even more wonderful to love Him with all of our heart. It's even more wonderful to be fully devoted with, to Him. And to grow in Him. And to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to walk closely without compromising into those areas where He leads us, where we say, Lord, this is scary. Lord, this is going to be difficult. Lord, this is going to be unpopular. Lord, they're not going to like what I have to say here. But it's wonderful to walk with the Lord in, into those areas and times and places when we're with Him. Amen? And He's with us wherever He leads in loving obedience to the Lord. He's not having to twist our arm to make us go. It, it should be on my part that I lovingly obey the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He that has my commandments and keep them, keeps them, he it is that loves me. And I'll be bringing this to a close, but there is a genuine, intimate fellowship with the Lord that can be had by the humble, sincere disciple of Christ, which cannot be gained by a life of compromise. It cannot be gained by partially following the Lord. There is an intimate, genuine, beyond description, wonderful fellowship with the Lord and intimacy to the one who's holy and wholeheartedly, completely devoted to Christ. Lord, there are the good times, the bad times, the easy times, the scary times when you bless me, when it seems like you're withholding your blessings from my life. The person that endeavors to actually walk that way when it's popular, when it's unpopular. And y'all, it's, it's available to all who will come to Christ by faith. It's not just for a select few, but unfortunately I believe that through the history of Christianity, and in our day would be no exception, and maybe in my own life, so, so few actually experience and have that intimate fellowship with the Lord. Because when sometimes when things get difficult in our Christianity, we face opposition, we back off a little bit. 
back off of our commitment to the Lord just a little bit. When people don't like us testifying for Christ, sometimes we'll stop testifying for Christ and we'll back off. And then I think we're, we're, we're injuring ourselves. We're injuring our, our relationship with the Lord. This is available to any believer that will fully come and say, I'm going to follow the Lord and, and actually come and lay down our life and take up, instead, have His life for our life. Now, I'm far from that, but I do desire it to where it's fully, Randy's life is dead and laid aside. I know doctrinally speaking, I'm crucified with Christ. But the Bible says in Romans 6, to reckon yourselves dead. That is by faith to really, day by day, in a practical sense, count it as being so. You're crucified with Christ. The life you now live, you live by the faith of, of Him who loved you and gave Himself for you. The Bible says, Paul said, and I think it's interesting that he said this. He, Paul didn't say this on the Damascus Road when he first met the Lord. He didn't say it in the three-day period when he was blind and waiting in Damascus uh, to, to be healed of his blindness and to receive his calling from God in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He didn't say this. He said this later in his life. He said this after he knew Jesus and was called to be a, an apostle to the Gentiles. And God had used him in so many great ways. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. Anybody wants to know the Lord Everybody would want to know the Lord in the power of His resurrection. Thank God we do know Him in that power. Because we've been raised spiritually. One day physically, we're going to be raised. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And this corruption is going to put on incorruption at the rapture of the church. And, and the last little bit of the world and the flesh is going to be gone from us. Thank God we do know Him in the power of His resurrection. Everybody wants to know Him in that power. But Paul said, I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship, the communion, the union, that I may know Him in the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable to His death. His death was one, was a sacrificial death. He was laying down His life to be a ransom for all. But it was also a death at the hands of sinful men that rejected and scorned Him. And he's saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. How many people want to know him in, the, in being made conformable to his death, in the fellowship of his suffering? I want to read this scripture to you in Matthew 5. We know it from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are ye, blessed are ye, happy, joyful. Jesus said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. This is the key for falsely for my name's sake. If I'm just a wicked person, a liar and a jerk and rude and crude and unfriendly and unkind and selfish, and people say mean things about me, good, they ought to. But if I'm living for Christ and I refuse to bend and I refuse to bow and I refuse to, to, to this world or the opinions of men and I want to live for Jesus, where they laugh me to scorn and ridicule me and put me out. When we're persecuted for His name's sake, He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. And guess what? We got good company. Not only did Christ suffer and was rejected and laughed to scorn in such ways, He says, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're in good company. Amen? 
We're in good company when we live this way. Now, I'm bringing this to a close, but this is this intimate fellowship that we have. I think so many people miss out on it because we go so far in our commitment to Christ, but we don't go all the way in our commitment to Christ. We obey the Lord or devoted to the Lord many times up to a point. And then he calls us to go further and he says, there's going to be a blessing if you go further. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to use you in a way you never thought you could be used. I'm going to give you courage when you're so afraid, when we go there to that next step. And oftentimes we don't take the next step. I love this scripture. I go to it often and I'm going to read it from Revelation 14.4. This is speaking about 144,000 Christian Jewish men. They're going to be testifying for Christ on the earth during the tribulation period. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they were virgins. This is the point I wanted to look at. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever He goeth. They follow Him everywhere. Should we not be that? Could we not be that? Yes, we can be that. Yes, I should be that. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever He goeth. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Amen. And so there is, when we follow the Lord all the way, if we follow the Lord in the Jairus' daughter's room, we would have been ridiculed, just like he was. But we would have got to see him raise the child from the dead. Give place. In other words, you, you don't believe, you're laughing to scorn. I don't, have, I don't really have time for that right now. Step aside. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to be God. I'm going to be the resurrection of the life. I'm going to be the Lord and Savior. If you don't believe it, uh, you know, or if you do believe it, step aside. This is not going to hinder me from doing what I desire to do and what the Father, will of the Father is for me to do. There's an unbroken communion that we can have with the Lord. And that's going to be as we follow the Lord all the time. That's going to be as we follow the Lord and, and are submitted or surrendered to the will of another when we are gladly resigned to the will of Almighty God. And listen, y'all, when we are resigned to do His will when it's popular with men and we're to be resigned to do His will when it's unpopular with men, we are to be fully devoted to Christ and obey Him when men understand and appreciate and even praise what we do as Christians and when men don't understand and seek to stop and oppose what we're doing at the leading of the Lord. We ought to resign to it. Ask God Almighty for strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I will be with you. I will give you the words to say in that moment. If all your friends forsake you, I will be that friend. If your mother and father and brother and sister and children forsake you, I will be a father to you and a brother to you. I will be that friend to you. I love this scripture where, where the Bible says when the, the decree was signed in Daniel's day by his enemies and they talked the king Darius into signing the decree that nobody could make petition any God except for the king for 30 days. Daniel being a true follower, a devoted follower of Jehovah. And listen to this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, I love that part. It, it wasn't like he didn't know about it and he went on and prayed like he normally did. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, okay? That's been signed. There's persecution. There's going to be a cost for this. There is going to be opposition for this. 
This is not popular. What I'm about to do is not popular. My walk with Almighty God is going to cost me something in this life. Amen? Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that the decree was signed. The last uh, two more scriptures to read. I want to read this from Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. Now Paul's been his last rounding up at the end of his last missionary journey. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Well, what was going to befall him there? God knew he was going to be arrested and, and put in prison and sent from prison to prison, and eventually Rome and be beheaded in Rome sometime later. But he says at this time, before all that happened, I'm going bound to, in the spirit unto Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Listen to this. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are they going to throw you in prison? Just back up a little. Go to another town. Don't go to Jerusalem. But he says, I'm bound by the, in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. None of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself. I would say, God, help me to be this way. There was a fellowship that Paul knew in the power of Christ's resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. He really experienced it. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know what he's saying here? And you know what it's saying to me and what the Lord is speaking to you as well? It makes no difference. None of these things move me. If I go back home and I'm the most popular person and they want to elect me mayor of Jerusalem, or if I go back there and then I'm bound and thrown in prison and beheaded, it makes no difference. Christ is the Lord. Christ is my Lord. Knowing Him is worth it. Knowing Him and living with Him and for Him is worth it. Pleasing Christ and having the favor, having His face shine upon me. That He would say to me, well done now, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That is worth it. Though hell opposes me and men misunderstand me and men laugh me to scorn when I try to live out my faith and serve Christ. Living in His favor and living in His presence. And that intimate fellowship of knowing the Lord in that way. Knowing Christ is my reward. Amen? Knowing Christ is my reward. I want to close with this scripture in Psalm 16, verses 5 through 9. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. It's because the Lord is our portion. Amen. The Lord is our portion. Father, we love you today, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us not to be afraid of the rejection or ridicule or scorn. They laughed you to scorn. Eventually, men put you on a cross and nailed you there. I know you did it for our sins, but men put you there. And Lord, I pray that we would be have a great boldness, that we would love our Savior 
and be fully devoted to you to where we experience the same persecution and also the same joy and the same blessings and intimate fellowship with you as well, God. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.